With COVID positivity rates going down and the vaccine rolling out, many choir directors have been asking questions about going back to in-person rehearsals. So in today's episode, I'm sharing my experience with moving back to in-person, the logistics involved, as well as some suggestions for your future music making. Let's get into it. Here we go. Welcome, my friends, to the Choir Director Corner Podcast. My name is Matt Walker. I'm your host. Thanks so much for stopping by and joining me for today's episode. Well, as I said in the intro, we are talking today about getting back to in-person rehearsals. And this is great. This is a, you know, this is a great development. This means things are getting better. Positivity rates are going down down. The vaccine is slowly but surely getting rolled out. Many teachers finally getting that vaccine. And so so this is all good news. I think that teachers, choir directors are asking this question yeah, because it shows that our situation, thankfully, finally is improving. But there are a lot of questions that go into this. You know, many of us have been teaching online or maybe not even meeting at all for months, if not weeks at least. And so getting back into the swing of things and what does that look like? You know, I've just seen questions, you know, how's it going? And just really looking for some ideas and, you know, just some feedback from other choir directors as far as how this transition is going. So today I'm sharing with you my experiences and then also maybe a couple of tips as far as things that you can be focusing on in this time of future music making and still maybe not a rehearsal situation that's quite totally normal yet. Yeah, it's sort of somewhere in between. It's not nearly as terrible as what we've had to deal with, but it's not exactly normal either. So what are the th- some of the things that you can be doing? Right. So a little bit about my teaching situation. So last spring and then also then this fall, I was totally online and then started the year in what we were calling a hybrid model. So I had two basically two groups of students, two cohorts. Yeah. Where I had a group A and a group B. And so two days a week for one group and then three days a week for the other group. And then it would switch the next week. So singers really only getting two, maybe sometimes three consistent rehearsals um, each week. So not nearly the same amount of instructional time, certainly. And then to Add on to the top of that, I was also teaching my online students. And so talking about that online schedule where they would have Mondays in the morning and then Tuesdays in the afternoon and then Wednesdays back in the morning and Thursdays in the afternoon. So really, I was only seeing them every other day uh, as well. And so, which kind of balanced out with the in-person students, yeah, where everybody was kind of getting 
two days of instruction. So those online students, they were basically attending a Zoom with me. They kind of Zoomed into our rehearsal. Now, you know, most of us know by now that's not exactly ideal. You know, I can mute them and they can sing along with what uh, we're doing or follow along with the different activities that we're doing, but I can't hear them and they can't hear each other. And so obviously it's not exactly ideal, but it was a way of involving them in those rehearsals. And we did have a period of time where we had to go back all uh, to all online and then it would come back to uh, sort of our hybrid uh, in-person environment. And so we've been having that since really the start of the year until just recently. And just a couple of weeks ago, we went back to offering 100% in-person teaching. So I've had, I think this is the third week now, I've had singers coming in every single day in person. Now we still had the all online option. It's just basically getting rid of the hybrid. So either students are here all the time in person or they are online. Now that online schedule has stayed the same. I'll talk about that in just a second. But sort of the percentage of our school, I've still got over 60% of my choir students still all online. So the move to in-person has been nice. You know, I've got 15 in one ensemble. My one ensemble, I still only have six in-person singers. So it's been sort of a mixed bag as far as that goes. Now with my online students, I have said to them, and their schedule has not changed. It's still been uh, morning, afternoon, morning, afternoon, sort of alternating days. I have said to them, look, if you're going to be able to keep up with these students that are in person, uh, sort of in that same ensemble, same content, same assessments, all of that, I really need you to zoom in in your quote, you know, uh, off afternoon or your off morning where you're not supposed to have any classes, you know, it's supposed to be asynchronous learning time is what they're calling it. Like, I really need you to be zooming in to all of these rehearsals and some have been doing that and been doing a really nice job and there's others where I'm still kind of just getting the every other day and I'm just trying to make the best of it and keep them caught up as much as possible but that is kind of where we are at so we've been starting this all 100% in person with a certain percentage of our singers now as far as our school goes our school district um you know as this year has gone by we've had a few cases of covid you know we've had some students that have been in quarantine quarantine maybe has been the much bigger thing but none of that has come from any of our music ensembles it's all been outside of school transmission or transmission in other activities. I would say really sports has been uh, the much bigger problem as uh, there have been quite a few situations of uh, positive cases and quarantines with uh, with sports. But while we've had some of our musicians um, quarantine, just a few positive cases, none of that has been traced back to uh, any of our uh, music making ensembles and so at no time have we had to uh, quarantine any of our groups which has been an amazing thing.
Now, a few of the logistics as far as the rehearsals and even from the start of the year, kind of what this has looked like. Um, we have been doing singers masks for our singers. And it's just something where I don't necessarily think it's required. I think for singing, the singers masks uh, make it a lot more comfortable for your singers because just the way they are made, the singers are not sucking in fat fabric from uh, a typical mask as they are breathing in and then singing in rehearsal. So it's more of a comfort thing. Um, I have noticed, you know, a slight improvement in tone and in sound with those singers masks, but it's not something uh, that I would say is drastic in my experience. So if your singers are just coming in with their own fabric masks, I, I still think that is great. And certainly, yes having singers with masks um, I've seen a few instances people reporting whether they're not allowed to require masks or that's just you know in their area that's just not what schools are doing that personally makes me pretty nervous based on a lot of uh, the research and the science that has uh, been put out there but again that is just me um, any type of masks I mask I think is a good thing at this point. So we've been working with the singer's mask. They actually fit with our singer's folders in their folder slots in our cabinets. So they have been storing them in there with their, uh, with their folders. And then we are allowing them to then take those home and wash them. And we usually encourage that, you know, over the weekend and just hand washing, hang dry, and then bringing those back. So that is sort of the logistic part of, uh, of those masks. Uh, as far as coming in and out of the room, we are very lucky with our rehearsal room. We have two doors, so we have one labeled, one is in and one is out. And so keeping students spaced in that way. And we've got hand sanitizer right at the door. So when they come in, that bottle is right there. And so they can use that hand sanitizer uh, upon entry. Um, we do not have ear purifiers in our room, but uh, our music wing is fairly new. Ventilation is pretty good. And we, we too have windows. So especially now that the weather is starting to get warmer, we'll be working with those open. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a requirement, but you would probably want to talk with your custodial staff and with your school administration about the ventilation. And if it's maybe not as good of a situation, getting uh, an air purifier in your rehearsal space, if at all possible. But there's lots of people that have been uh, working uh, with singers this whole year and no air purifier and seems to be going very well. So you know, if you want that extra level of uh, security and uh, of safety in whatever rehearsal situation you're in, that might be something that you look into. Now, as far as spacing goes, we have our singers spaced out six feet. Uh, what we did was, you know, t marking out, measuring out, and then taping on the floor uh, with just painter's tape. We would frame out the spot for like the front left chair leg. And so then we know exactly where that chair leg goes. And so then we keep those chairs spaced out. Uh, at least six feet. Um, and that would sort of be my suggestion, my minimum. Again, again all of the, the research and the science is coming out that has been 
the uh, the strong suggestion. I know other states have said even more than that. And so I would say if you have the ability to do more than that, I think that's probably a good thing. But um, keeping that six feet distance uh, when singing, I think that's a, an extremely good idea still at this point. Now, we are lucky enough to have two rehearsal spaces. Uh, We have our choir room, and then we are also able to rehearse in our auditorium. We try to keep singing to 30 minutes in one space. And again, that is what the science and the recommendations has been, is 30 minutes in one space, and then moving that ensemble to a different space if you have it, just so you can give that space time for that air exchange. And so we are lucky that we we have that. So if you have your choir room, you've got at least one space and then sort of bargaining if you have to, right, <laughs> with other teachers or administration, what's another space that we could possibly use? Or just keeping that singing down to 30 minutes and maybe doing some other uh, activities. And certainly you can, can do some music theory, some uh, music listening, and some um, writing and discussion about music before then you get into that time of singing for 30 minutes. But if you've got two rehearsal spaces, that makes it really nice. You can start off in one space and then go into another space and give that space extra time to uh, have that air exchange before you bring another group of students in. Um, As I mentioned, I am teaching online as well as in person. That is still continuing. Um, We are using Zoom for that. I know whether it's Zoom or Google Meets, um, you know, it's really up to you and really probably up to your school. Yeah, it's probably not a, uh, an independent teacher decision, but your school is probably saying, okay, here, here is what we are using as a school. So if you are still going to have in-person and online students, if you can do that, I think that is the best way uh, to continue to incorporate them into your rehearsal. And depending on the maturity level of your singers, whether you are turning off the ability for them to unmute themselves, I think that's maybe an option you look into. Um, Whether it's, you know, turning that chat where they can only chat with you and not chat with others, that's a function that I still use and that has solved a lot of headaches (laughs) on my part. So incorporating those online students, if you still have them, uh, into those rehearsals. I think that's the easiest way to keep them involved. And certainly, you know, there are other ways, you know, if you can't do that synchronous uh, sort of type of instruction, there are other ways that you can keep those singers involved. You know, with my online students, my in-person, it's still the same content. It's still the same assessments. However, uh, there are some additional resources that I am providing for those students, in particular for those online students. The in-person students still have access to them, but things like video tutorials and walkthroughs of some different assignments or some different concepts where those online students, they can then go during some of that asynchronous time or if they're unable to attend our Zoom uh, rehearsals, they're able to then go in and use that uh, content as a resources resource for completing some of these 
exercises and uh, assessments that they have. Um, I've been using something called BandLab for to create practice recordings for my singers. And again, you can use that where you're singing the tracks. You can just play the piano for the tracks. BandLab is great because you can boost or lower uh, the volume levels. So for instance, if you have a three-part piece, um, you can boost the one part, say soprano ones, you can boost that part, and then the soprano two and the alto, you reduce the volume. So soprano ones can more easily pick out their vocal part. However, they still hear those other two parts in the background, as well as the piano part, because it's an accompanied piece. Uh, and so providing them some context as they are then singing through and practicing their part. So that's great for practice. That's great for uh, assessments as well. For student recordings, I have been using vocaroo.com and it's extremely easy to use. They can do it on a tablet, on a laptop, on their phone. My students have Chromebooks. I have suggested they do it on their phone because the audio quality is a little bit better. Um, even if it's on a tablet, the, the Chromebook, it's just not uh, real great audio quality. So doing that on their phone. And then when they share that recording with me, they can either email it to you or uh, it gives them that recording a URL link. And so they can copy that link and either email that or paste it into whatever uh, learning system you are using. Like we have Canvas for our school. And so they can take that URL link and copy and paste it right directly into Canvas, into that assignment or into Google Classroom or whatever it is that you, Schoology, that you might be using. So Volkeru has really uh, been uh, somewhat of a game changer, just really saved uh, us a lot of time and it's very easy to use. And so that's been, that's been great. So again, vocaroo.com. That's something you might want to check out if you want to do some student recordings. Now, as far as performances go, because that does sort of affect, you know, how you're rehearsing and what you're doing. Our district, we are still uh, not allowed to do any in-person performances. And that's been all year. Um, as far as, you know, audiences, there's no audience uh, allowed. That may change as we go through the end of the school year. We're, you know, somewhat hopeful that maybe in May we can do some sort of outdoor performance with all of our music ensembles. Um, we hope to be able to include our uh, online students, have them be able to attend and perform together with our in-person students. Um, certainly the viability of ensembles is a big issue. And with my one ensemble where it's 15 singers, we can sort of put together a group. And, and again, the balance is going to be, you know, something that uh, you really have to look at. Yeah, our one mixed ensemble, we have 19 singers, but we, you know, 16 of them are altos and sopranos. You know, with only one tenor and two basses, it's really hard as far as balance of ensemble to put together uh, a really secure, confident ensemble performance. So that is something that plays into this as well. So if you are in that situation where you're still not allowed to do any public performances, but you've got ensembles where um, it's really viable to put 
together some sort of ensemble performance, I would consider, again, using Zoom or Google Meet or, you know, making uh, just a recording of an in-rehearsal performance to share then with your uh, parents and your, your students' families. That is a great way. Uh, you know, it's, it's a happy medium, right? It's not that in-person performance that we're used to, but at the same time, that is something that you can do to sort of share uh, your singer's work with uh, with their families. And maybe it's not even, you know, your quote-unquote performance. Maybe you take your singers through, uh, you know, the uh, sight reading process. You know, we've done public performances before, sort of where it's an informance, where we teach our audience you know, the steps of learning a piece of music. Well, that's something that you could do in rehearsal and do that over, you know, over a Zoom or a Google Meet or record that and then share that uh, with your with your families. Um, so, you know, thinking a little outside of the box, if your uh, public performances are not allowed, then maybe there's some other ways that you could share the work uh, of your singers with uh, with their parents, with their families. So that's sort of one way around that. Now, as far as rehearsals and the music making in the near future, here are some thoughts as far as my experience with my singers this year. The first thing is they really just want to sing. Yeah, it could be weeks. It could be months where they have not had this quote-unquote true singing experience in an ensemble. And my singers, when they're coming in, they just really have enjoyed singing. Um, you know, that being said, you may have to adjust their expectations and maybe even more so your expectations a bit, yeah? Because there are some challenges still involved. It's hard to hear with these masks and with this extra spacing. And maybe you're in an actual space where the acoustic is not great, which adds to the difficulty, yeah? So you're dealing with that. As I mentioned, you may not have your full ensemble. So the balance of parts could be really hard to come by. And it's a little bit of a vicious circle because if singers don't feel quite as secure, then they're going to be hesitant to sing out, which leads to them not being as secure, and then they're hesitant to sing out. <laughs> and it is, it's a bit of this vicious circle. So you may have to deal with some of that as well. And really, they haven't been doing real rehearsing for quite some time, chances are. And so mine, my singers, when they started coming back in, they really were pretty rusty. So it's gonna take some time to get them back into the swing of things. So how have I sort of tried to combat some of these challenges? Well, number one, I think you're going to want to think one level easier as far as difficulty level of repertoire. And then also thinking in fewer parts. So if it was traditionally a four-part ensemble, maybe switch it to three. If you're used to doing three parts, maybe switching it to two, yeah? Trying to stick with music that has an accompaniment, whether it's piano or something else versus singing a cappella. Yeah, that piano just 
adds a little bit more security, which is really something that your singers are going to need. And talking about repertoire, rounds, unison singing, totally great to start off with. I think sometimes choir directors, eh, they kind of, yeah, they might, you know, turn up their nose a little bit. Oh, rounds, easy. That's kid stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, that's too easy. You may want to start there. Yeah, depending on, again, your balance of singers, how many you've got, how long you've been away from in-person rehearsals. I think that's a great thing to start with to just get the ball rolling and to help build that confidence in your singers. And then as they start to get more comfortable and more confident, then you can start to push them a little bit more as far as repertoire goes. Now, another thing that can help is strategically placing your singers in their physical spacing and just sort of their physical setup. Now, normally when I'm placing singers in their arrangement, I am basing a lot of that on singing tone and just blend and how voices kind of work with each other. And, you know, especially with younger groups, there's going to be a dash of classroom management uh, (laughs) ideas in there as well. But Usually that emphasis is on on tone and and blend and how those voices work with each other. Now I have definitely moved towards experience level of the singers and music reading ability. If you can place those singers that are more experienced, that are a little bit better readers, and place those uh, somewhat weaker or less experienced singers around them, that's really going to help some of those uh, less experienced singers as you get back into the traditional rehearsal process of going through repertoire. And so placing those stronger singers amongst the group is really going to help support some of those other singers that really need that help. Whether it's intervals or whether it's uh, challenging rhythms, that's something uh, that I have really been focused on. And that's helped us to move through the learning process a little bit more quickly. Now, three other things that I have really tried to emphasize uh, during this time of just sort of crazy rehearsals and all the things, all the challenges that we're facing. So number one, really, I have been trying to emphasize the social emotional aspect. And this is something our singers really need. I would say even more than anything else at this time. They totally are craving the social interaction, uh, the encouragement and the support from others. And they need to know that we as directors are here to help get them through this incredibly challenging time. No matter what it is that they are dealing with, that we are here for them to help them. So I would say, you know, don't hesitate to deviate from that traditional lesson plan for a day. If you're getting into a rehearsal and just kind of reading the room and reading your singers and you're just getting the vibe, these folks, they are really stressed out. They're really overwhelmed. The thing that they may need the most in that moment is just to sit and talk with you and talk with each other and you're just, you know, talk things out. And you know what? That is okay. 
okay. And it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be things that take a lot of time. Even if you just take a, a quick portion of your rehearsal to sort of engage with them. You know, one of the things that I've been doing is a, a simple question of the day, which you can find all sorts of this or that questions, you know, you know, waffles or pancakes or French toast. Yeah, I, f- I find with my ninth and 10th grade uh, tenor and bass choir, boy, the, the questions about food, anything related to food, those are some hot topics, I will tell you. And luckily, it's right after lunch, so it doesn't get people too hungry, right? But just some of these things to engage them on a different level. And again, that's just one idea of something that doesn't just takes a couple of minutes. Uh, And that's something that you can uh, also engage those students at home if they are online students. And so you're getting that uh, the in-person and online student interaction with that as well. So really emphasizing the, the social and emotional aspects of singing in an ensemble. So that's number one. Number two, incorporating work on individual vocal technique. So this crazy time is the perfect time to remove some of the emphasis on what we traditionally have our group outcomes, you know, that concert, that ensemble performance, if we can maybe lower the emphasis on that and really invest in the development of our individual singers, and vocal technique is a great place to start. The idea is that by working on vocal technique now, singers will continue to grow vocally and be ready to hit the ground running once we get our full ensembles back. You know, even if we're masked in the fall, if we can get those full ensembles back, working on some of those aspects of vocal technique, that is really going to pay big dividends once we get all of our singers, all of our students back into one ensemble. And then the third thing that I've really been emphasizing is music literacy and really investing, truly investing in music literacy. Again, it's the idea of encouraging and supporting our individual singers so that they continue to grow towards being independent musicians. And this could be as simple as taking a few minutes each rehearsal to sight read. You know, I personally, I like Sight Reading Factory. I'm lucky enough to where I have a classroom projector. And so I will pull up on my laptop, you know, connect to that projector. I will pull up a melodic example and then a rhythmic example after we do our warm-ups at the beginning of rehearsal. And we practice using Soulfish and practice using Takadimi. And this is something, too, that you can easily incorporate into individual assessments for your singers to help them move along that path towards being proficient music readers. And that's something that's really important to me with all of these challenges and everything that we are dealing with. It's really important to me that we not forget about helping our singers along that path to being independent musicians. I think that's really critical. Um, And it would be easy to forget about that because there's so many other extra things that we are, are having to deal with. But keeping that always as the top priority. I want my singers to continue on that path to become 
independent musicians. And that is something that, again, once you do get that ensemble, full ensemble back together, if you make that investment now, that's going to put your ensemble that much further ahead than what they normally would be. Well, that's it, my friends. Those are my tips for getting back to in-person rehearsals with your choir. Now, if you have questions about my experiences with getting back to in-person rehearsals, send me an email at matt at choirdirectorcorner.com. Again, that's matt at choirdirectorcorner.com. I would love to hear from you and talk with you about your current teaching challenges. And if you are looking for some new choir warm-ups for those in-person rehearsals, make sure you check out my free PDF, 50 Awesome Warm-Ups for Your Choir, and you can get your free copy over at choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash warm-ups, W-A-R-M-U-P-S, all one word. Well, that's it for today's episode. Stay positive, stay safe out there, my friends, and I will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Choir Director Corner Podcast. Don't forget to check us out over on Facebook at www.choirdirectorcornergroup.com. Choir Director Corner Group.com.